welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. And yes, we are celebrating seven years coming to you around the country. We want to be your source for intel, forecasts, and success strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Today, we're going to talk about multifamily. Um, please uh, appreciate our sponsors out there. Sponsor for this segment is Bull Realty Asset and Occupancy Solutions. Are you ready to sell your commercial property? Visit bullrealty.com. Well, please welcome my first guest. It's Jay Parsons. He's VP for MPF Research. They're the market intelligence arm of RealPage, and he's joining us on Skype. Thanks for uh, joining us today, Jay. Thanks for having me, Michael. So, Jay, the uh, multifamily market's really been interesting. I think everyone in every sector is like, wow, multifamily's just been incredible, incredible growth. And it's like every time uh, we turn around, we think it's the, uh, the growth is going to just plummet. There's, there's new, too much new supply. What is the real story? What do you see for occupancy uh, and rental rates? Uh, what's the trend? What are we seeing today? Sure. Well, I think you teased it up well. Um, the market is certainly not what it once was. I mean, a few years ago, everything you touched in multifamily, if you were the best operator, the worst operator, the best location, the worst location, everybody did well. Yeah. Uh, it really didn't take much of a secret formula, um, but what, that's certainly changing. And I think what's important to note now is you you definitely have more pessimism out there, but but it's it'd be, I'd be very careful not to put it in a broad brush. It's not that the whole industry is all of a sudden cratering in some way. What's happening is that certain segments of the market, certain submarkets across the country are being impacted with a lot of supply. And in turn, uh, demand's been okay in most of these spots, but just not able to keep up with the supply. And so we're seeing more vacancy and uh, diminished rent growth, or in some cases, even rent cuts in a handful of pockets. But again, there's still a lot of parts of the country, particularly suburbs and your overall class B space that are doing really well. And that's, that, that should be emphasized as well. What are the cities where you're seeing maybe uh, rent starting to uh, decline some? Well, obviously, Houston's gotten a lot of attention. Uh, prior to the hurricane, uh, we'd seen rent cuts, uh, especially in the urban core and out in the energy corridor. Now, good news uh, for the industry, at least, is that there's been a, a lot of demand uh, for units over the last uh, few weeks. Um, and now no one's pushing rents, uh, of course, right now. There's a lot of sensitivity to that. But the, but uh, if, if there's one good thing about how all this played out, the Houston's a market that had a lot of vacancies uh, at the time of that, that the hurricane occurred and so it was able to absorb a lot of that demand for housing at a time when when people really needed it and again the what we saw is that the industry was very sensitive not to be pushing rent at that time as well so that's a market that's obviously very unique uh, but certainly seeing um, some some rent flatness or cuts in some downtown cities or downtown markets across the country so Jay what are some other cities where maybe you're seeing some challenges or maybe a great market uh, some of the challenges uh, are going to be in those more downtown pockets, particularly in large markets across the country, uh, Bay Area, Los Angeles, places like Nashville and the Sun Belt, where we've seen a lot of supply downtown Nashville, that is. Um, conversely, we still see, um, I don't know if there's particular cities where we see a lot of strength outside of these late recovery markets. We're not building a whole lot. Places like Sacramento, uh, Las Vegas, uh, certain parts of California and Florida, like Orlando. Uh, but in general, the strength is in that Class B sector, pretty much 
all across the country, as well as in uh, suburban areas all across the country as well. Now, one spot also I'll point out is downtown Seattle is kind of an exception to this story. A lot of supply, and there's been a lot of uh, worry about that area given how much supply is going in, but we continue to see great demand, and so that's been the exception of the story. Yeah. Well, the National Apartment Association uh, seems to indicate that there's going to be an increased demand, that demand is going to keep, keep exploding. W- what do you see on your end? Well, there's been a lot of skepticism about demand going forward, but I think people tend to forget, particularly broader economists, is that the apartment industry has never seen a recession apart from a broader regional or national recession. So demand is not going to erode just for no reason. Now, if we hit a national recession or recession in certain parts of the country, sure, you're going to see less demand. But if you're bullish or or, or at least moderately bullish on the economy overall, you should be pretty bullish about apartment demand overall because the demographic trends and overall housing trends continue to suggest that we're going to see plenty of demand out there. So the real question is, can demand keep pace with supply? And we don't think it will, at least for the next 12 months or so on a macro basis. Okay. So when you look at the country overall and you look at all asset classes of multifamily, what are you seeing for rental rate and occupancy trend? Um, Great question. So rent growth year over year on a same store basis, we have in the high twos around 2.7% through third quarter. Uh, Quarter over quarter, just under 1% growth. So so still uh, definitely pretty solid growth, about average or a little slightly above average um, uh, compared to the long-term norms. Uh, Now, across the country, as mentioned earlier, we see a a wide variance. The gap between the best and the worst markets and submarkets is much larger than it was a few years ago. Um, you know, in terms of the classes, uh, again, that strength is going to be really in that class B sector. Uh, we're seeing still rent growth above three to four percent. Um, class A is going to be a little bit uh, weaker. However, if you're class A suburban, you're still seeing really good growth. And that's because it's much harder to build in those high end suburban areas you run into NIMBYism and restrictive zoning and all that kind of stuff. OK. And Jay, where do you see the most promise for multifamily growth in occupancy and rents in, in certain markets? Are there certain markets that, that maybe have been supply constrained, uh, that maybe are some opportunities if you can build in today or, or buy in? Absolutely. Now, on occupancy, there's probably not room for much growth. The, the B and the C sectors are full. You really can't get much more full. Class A will continue to be challenged with supply. So I don't think occupancy is going to get any better in most spots. Um, on rental rate growth, I, I still think there's there's uh, potential to grow. And uh, uh, we continue to, to look at those high-end suburbs uh, in Atlanta, places like Alpharetta, and Dallas, places like Plano, uh, these kind of high-end pockets where it's really hard to build. In fact, uh, I mentioned Plano. Many of you all know Plano, one of the big nas- big suburbs across the country, high home prices, cl- proximity to jobs, et cetera. And this is a spot that just ran through a city council election where there are billboards and yard signs saying no more apartments. (laughs) And uh, these are the kind of spots that have those urban like demand drivers. People really don't want more apartments. And so because of that, uh, I think that that really well positions those who do have a deal in that in that area already or are able to get that site approved. Uh, those are the spots that we think that you don't run into affordability challenges and you don't run into the the, the supply challenges of new stuff coming in. So that, that's where I'd be continuing to bet on going forward. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, we certainly see that in the, the market where our headquarters here in Atlanta. You know, the, a lot of municipalities are saying, look, there's enough apartments. And even though mm-hmm. there is demand for them, they don't want to see any more built. Well, Jay, what are Absolutely. some concerns uh, for the apartment industry today? Anything to kind of watch out for? 
Well, beyond supply in the urban spots we mentioned earlier, the big question is what happens in our broader economy? Obviously, if there's a slowdown that's going to impact demand at a time when we, we really need demand to feed all the supply. So, you know, it's become trendy among economists to forecast a recession. Uh, most people tend to, tend to say it's two years out, but they've been saying that for the last five, six years, and it <laughs> right. hasn't happened yet. Always two at some years point out. it will. Right. Yeah, it's always two years out. Now, at some point it'll occur, uh, but I think that's the big question going forward. Okay. What about opportunities? Where do you see opportunities for the department investors or developers today? Uh, well, as I mentioned earlier, if you get into those high-end suburbs that, that, that have very restricted uh, zoning uh, uh, laws, if you get into those spots, that's the best bet. Um, outside of that, uh, the value add is still a big play. Uh, if you can target, again, those high-end suburbs, you're not running into affordability challenges, um, you are going to, I think, be able to justify getting much higher rents, taking those 80s and 90s properties and doing a big value add on those. Uh, the other spots is if you can, we've seen some opportunity is for those who uh, want to get more into the B and C plus sort of space, uh, you get into those working class suburbs and growth markets where uh, we see uh, a lot of demand, but just not the ability to go to those higher price points. Uh, in certain spots, you can justify those deals. But it's definitely getting to a, a point in the cycle where you really have to get to the right sub markets, right, right, right street corners to make it make it make for it to make sense. Yeah, uh, those are very good points and, and good tips. And uh, we did a show uh, recently, and we'll put links on it uh, uh, below, that uh, zoning for fun and profit. And we talked a lot about taking some of these maybe older communities and rezoning them or rezoning some of these retail properties that maybe mm -hmm. are having a challenge and doing multifamily. And uh, I agree, if you can get in these markets where uh, maybe they're uh, trying to constrain supply, they don't want any new, more new apartments, some real upside. Jay, great information as usual. Thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you, Michael. If you'd like some more information from Jay, visit their website. It's realpage.com. Stay with us. We're going to have more on the apartment industry. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Would you like access to invest in institutional quality commercial real estate with experienced sponsors with small amounts of money? Of course you would. Visit realcrowd.com. Choose between core, core plus, value add, or opportunistic. Visit realcrowd.com. Build out the best all-in-one marketing tool for your brokerage. Learn how you can create marketing materials instantly and streamline your property listings process. Visit buildout.com. Excelligen, the resource professionals like CCIMs, CBRE, JLL, Colliers, and Bull Realty use for market intelligence. Commercial Search is the site to market and find available properties to buy, sell, or lease all over the country. Visit CommercialSearch.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. This segment is brought to you by BuildOut.com. If you're a commercial agent, check out BuildOut.com. You'll be glad you did. Well, today we're talking about multifamily. Please welcome my next guest, Larry Souza. Dr. Larry Souza is Managing Director with Capital Brain, and he is on Skype with us. Thanks for joining us today. You're welcome. So let's talk multifamily. So um, what do you see out there? What kind of trends are you seeing in performance? Sure. Uh, just overall, the uh, we're past the peak. Um, you saw rent growth uh, basically peak out in uh, 2015 and 14. You saw cap rates, you know, have, have basically bottomed out. 
uh, in our flat and slowly rising in some markets, but it, the, the cycling cap rates are, are at their bottom. So uh, price appreciation is going to have to come from your income component and not uh, cap rate compression. Um, you're seeing uh, occupancy rates have already peaked. They're starting to slow down or start starting to come down off their peaks. And you're starting to see the, uh, the peak in the uh, construction cycle, either in deliveries or, or permits, uh, peaked out probably last year. Uh, they're slowing, but, but an interesting trend uh, I'm seeing is just the amount of units that are actually being delayed and being pushed off uh, into the future. Well, that's interesting to hear because uh, that's always been our problem in the past, right? <laughs> we overbuild and uh, then we have a problem. So do you think this cycle, maybe uh, we're doing it right? Not well, overbuilding? I, I can never say that we ever do it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the profit motive is uh, is too strong. But if you go back historically over the last 10, 20, 30 years, uh, the amplitude in the cycles you know, have been... Uh, have been smaller and less less violent as they were in the, the 70s and the 80s in, in particular. Uh, but this is the largest construction um, cycle that we've seen probably since the 80s. Uh, the 90s was, was fairly muted and the 2006-7 uh, was fairly muted too. So this is the really the best cycle we've seen. So there will be some supply risk, pr particularly in those commodity markets like Houston and Austin and Phoenix and, and and those types of markets. Yeah, well, it's certainly been a been a hot market, and uh, investors have uh, had a lot of interest in multifamily. I know um, in our shop here in Atlanta, uh, we just can't get enough product for for the buyers out there. So, what are you seeing for sales volume around the country right now? Sure. Well, for the uh, in August, uh, uh, if you look at the real capital analytics data, RCA data. Um, they reported about 11.7 billion for the uh, for the month. Uh, this is down um, about 8% from August of uh, 2016, and is down about 18% uh, year over year. So again, all the indicators point to a, a peak in 15-16, and then a deceleration. Um, not only just exhaustion in sales volume, um, lack of inventory. Uh, another cap rates, you know, at their all-time lows, and pricing at their uh, their all-time highs. So that's just a a late cycle indicator. What do you think about rising rates? I know it's been kind of a slow growth. Uh, we expect, I guess, a little more slow growth on rising rates. What's the impact on multifamily there? Sure. Um, well, multifamily is my favorite uh, product type. I have to disclose that right <laughs> off the bat. Um, you know, I was uh, seven years at BRE Properties and really got to learn about the apartment market. And if there's any property sector that I would want to be in compared to the other sectors, and that would be multifamily. One, you have uh, demographics back backstopping your demand, uh, particularly on the occupancy side. Um, if we ever do go into a recession, um, we could always lower rate rates and, and fill the occupancy and fill the um, fill the units and the communities up, which I really like. And then the the, the dirty little secret is that uh, we have access in the apartment sector to Fannie and Freddie financing. And the uh, collateral has always been better. The tenant credit risk has been better. The product quality has been better. And with uh, the government-sponsored entities backstopping and providing 
liquidity and providing a permanent component of the capital stack for these large institutional investors and publicly traded REITs, uh, the fundamentals um, from both the demand and, and the uh, financing side ha have never been better. It becomes a supply issue at some point. Right. And you're mentioning some of the trends there that are kind of impacting the market. And I think, you know, the multifamily market's had such great growth. I mean, the seems like the rental growth and Oxby growth has, has been so strong. It even surprises uh, the folks who are tracking it uh, every quarter for the last several years. Starting to slow down a little bit. What do you think about demand moving forward? What are some of the trends, and, and aren't these trends changing at all with the millennials getting a little older, baby boomers getting a little older? What do you expect trend-wise moving forward impact on multifamily? Sure. I mean, if you look at, I mean, I, I just looked at these statistics. This was from the Marcus and Millichap report that uh, those households under 35 years old, 66% are renters. Um, this is the highest um, renter population, both on a percentage basis and on a total basis. Uh, total renters in that age cohort is about 43 million people. This is the highest it's been since 1985. So the, the just the demographic fundamentals, and then you couple in uh, student debt, um, lack of the ability to get a down payment, to buy a house, home prices, um, that have appreciated significantly and just overall housing affordability, they're pretty much trapped into the uh, the rental space. And then from an economic standpoint, I've always been a big proponent of investing in apartment buildings and communities in and around uh, what are called growth poles in urban economics, which is hospitals, airports, uh, urban uh, CBDs, uh, transit centers, uh, universities, you can pretty much backstop your economic occupancy if you can get close enough um, to those uh, economic centers and uh, really create a, a great investment opportunity from a risk-adjusted standpoint. Yeah, that's a, those are very good points. And um, so what are some of the hot markets out there that you think may have some potential uh, revenue growth, some rent growth coming in? Sure. And again, you're going to um, you're testing me again um, <laughs> because I'm a I'm a supply constrained. Uh, I'm not a big commodity market player. Um, I like uh, markets that are supply constrained, particularly at the sub market level, coastal. I know the cap rates are low and prices are high. Um, but again, those markets always have the best fundamentals. But if you look at markets that that have actually shown rent growth, um, recently, they were late in the cycle. They were the hardest hit by the housing crisis, particularly Sacramento and Las Vegas and Atlanta and Dallas. Those are showing uh, some of the, the best rent growth right now because they were they're so late uh, in this in the construction cycle. Plus, they have very solid uh, job growth. I'm not recommending them. Again, I'm not a commodity market person. I'm a su supply constrained market person. I like uh, certain sub-markets, like Washington County up by Intel and Portland if I have to go there, downtown Seattle. Um, I like uh, Bellevue, um, particularly from a tech standpoint in the Bay Area. I mean, if you can get into San Jose, if you can get into San Francisco, there might be a play out in the 580, 680. Uh, if you go down to LA, LA is a whole different, they got 13, 22 different sub-markets down there. So you can pick, but there's uh, some opportunistic opportunities down in uh, Southern California 
And then if you want to play more commodity-based markets, you can go to Scottsdale. Um, you can go to Salt Lake. Um, Salt Lake's performing very well right now. Again, not a lot of supply. And then as you go further east, um, you really start moving into commodity markets. And I think you really need to be strategic um, in where you p place your capital, make sure that they're next to uh, economic centers to backstop stop the economic occupancy. And have some of those market markets or some other markets kind of peaked out or, uh, of their performance? Yeah, you're starting to see it as the, as the supply starts to come online. And actually job growth overall has started to slow. And I think more of it's just, uh, if you believe in the uh, unemployment rate numbers, we're beyond full employment and uh, companies are having a hard time actually attracting new talent. So you're seeing pretty much job growth starting to slow uh, all across the board. Uh, the question will be, what is what will the housing crisis along with uh, constraints in the labor markets due to uh, GDP growth rate uh, going forward over the next few quarters along with rising interest rates, which uh, we've seen happen on the short end of the yield curve. And the uh, long end of the curve has started to come down, but it's up. And my biggest concern is that uh, gap between short and long-term interest rates are starting to narrow. And if the Fed doesn't watch it and they oversell their balance sheet, we may see an inverted curve and we'll be in a recession in 24 months. So what would be your parting tip, uh, Larry, for people in the multifamily world? Um, pick your submarkets, pick your assets, pick your partners, do your due diligence. Uh, cap rate compression is over. Uh, you may have to pay up if you're coming out of a 1031 exchange. So, you know, maybe do a reverse exchange instead of a straight exchange to give yourself some time if you can do it. And then pick your partner, pick the collateral, get, get into bed with a good uh, lending partner and uh, really underwrite the uh, economic occupancy and the rent growth and try to be conservative at such a late stage in the, in the cycle. All excellent tips, Larry. As usual, great information. Thanks for joining us. Anytime. Thank you. And if you'd like more information, his website is capitalbrain.co, so capitalbrain.co. And uh, stay tuned. We'll have more on the U.S. multifamily market. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Are you a real estate agent? Hi, this is Michael Bull. Would you like consistent high income? Would you like to be the top producer in your office? Would you like to be known as the go-to broker in your market? Well, I have something for you. Visit CommercialAgentSuccess.com. Video is powerful. Some of the biggest brands in commercial real estate have trusted us to tell their story. We are Barnes Creative Studios, premier commercial real estate video services. BarnesCreativeStudios.com. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate? You're invited to contact Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Call 404-876-1640 or visit bullrealty.com. Hello, Michael Bull here with America's Commercial Real Estate Show with the National Apartment Association Conference here in Atlanta. We have the opportunity to meet with Paula Munger. And Paula, I think a lot of people are concerned in a lot of markets around uh, the U.S. that maybe apartments are overbuilt. 
but there seems to be demand just continues to grow. And, and where are we? Are we going to see more demand? Are we getting overbuilt? Not at all. I think there's certain markets and certain segments, like the luxury sector, where we're starting to see some overbuilding. Um, but we just did a study, at NAA and NMHC um, commissioned a study from Hoyt Advisory Services, and they found we need 4.6 million apartments across the country by 2030 at all price points. All price points. Right. Okay. Well, that's good news because I think, you know, we're here in Atlanta where the conference is. Uh, today and this year and uh, you see a lot of cranes and yes. uh, you see a lot of properties under construction. Yeah, so Atlanta actually ranks fifth of 50 metro areas that we studied in terms of the number of apartments they're going to need. So, And the, the thing is, is we just haven't been keeping up with the demand over the past decade or so. So over the past five years, Atlanta, for instance, only built 4,500 units per year approximately, and going forward they're going to need about 12,000 a year. So that's a tremendous increase, and a lot of that's driven by um, just the demographic changes we hear about, the aging population, they're starting to move into apartments. Immigration is a key driver behind um, apartment demand, as is put the millennials who are putting off marriage and children. Okay. And what do you say to viewers and listeners who are maybe concerned about uh, affordability? You know, a lot of these new apartments, uh, the rents are pretty high when you talk about the land costs and construction costs today. Yeah, it's hard for builders of apartments to pencil out. Um, they, they need to be profitable. So one of the things we're also doing is coming up with a toolkit for policymakers and how public-private sector can work together to um, get apartments to a more affordable level. Okay, and if a, a listener is uh, in in the government side uh, or they are a developer, um, how can they get some more information from you guys? Um, they could go to weareapartments.org. That's where we have all of our research um, that we just released, and also naahq.org and find information about about this research. Okay, and any other things they would tell to people who own apartments, they manage apartments now, uh, that maybe they're in a market or a building that's a little older, maybe they, they'd like to, to see a little more demand. Any tips for them? Yeah, well, we found that 51% of apartments across the country were built before 1980. Now, some of those have been renovated, um, but for the ones who aren't, um, it's very simple fixes that an owner can do, like adding a washer-dryer to a unit, those kinds of things. So even if you're not doing the super high-end amenities, um, common space, so bringing people together. Um, a lot of the residents just want that sense of community, and you could do that, and it does not cost a lot of money. Yeah, and when it comes down to it, it's still a service business, too. So you also have to have the right people on the front lines, right? Right, exactly, exactly, and that's, that's key And just getting for residents to be able to tell you what their issues are in, in really and respond to those in, in real time is that's becoming a more popular amenity just you know doing all that online. Yeah and one of the things I've seen in some of the older buildings and older properties that maybe the management is not sophisticated uh, and it's the leasing process right it's the when you go when somebody goes to the site to go to the property what's that process like what is there a good model unit how well are they treated and and how good does how does the property look sometimes I see that it's a maybe it's almost a little difficult for people to rent in an apartment and you know that can hurt your occupancy as well right right exactly um, and one of the things I heard from uh, one of our executives here today is if you don't if that 
prospective resident comes in and they don't have a good Wi-Fi connection, forget it. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. yeah, you just have to keep all of these things in mind. It's so competitive out there, um, even with older properties. So just yeah. do what you can to distinguish yourself. Yeah, that makes sense. And and also in commercial buildings, we sell office buildings and things, and we find that some people lose their cell service in certain areas, and you're having to really power that now so that people's cell phone works all the time. So I'm sure the apartment you have a little, most part have a little bit younger clientele. They've got to have that Wi-Fi. They've got to have right. that connection. Right. That's really important. We did amenities research recently where we looked at how much extra money tenants are willing to pay for certain amenities, and certainly um, Wi-Fi being wired was was a big part of that. Yeah. How much are pets uh, a concern today? It seems like maybe some of the younger crowd is maybe is not. Uh, attached to their pets or are they still is that a big deal do you really have to allow pets yes yeah okay. that's um that's really one of the most awesome, most popular and the biggest revenue generator for an owner is because it, it doesn't cost a lot to implement there are obviously a lot of things you have to be concerned about but that's really important people are attached to their pets especially now i think that they're putting off that family and marriage a little later What's the age demographic of the tenants today? It seems like maybe that demographic is, is getting a little older than it used to be. Yeah, I mean, the within the past 10 years, the, the highest growth in demographics is the baby boomers, so over actually over 50. Um, that doesn't mean that they're making up the largest amount of renters. It's still the younger set. That, that's a big component of renters. But we are seeing um, older folks, um, getting back into the rental into the rental game, right. as it were. So if I went and rented an apartment, they'd let me listen to my old journey music and stuff? I think so, yeah. <laughs> and if all generations are enjoying it. It's multi-generational living now, so the baby boomers want the millennials around, millennials want the baby boomers around. So. Yeah. All right, good information, Paula. Thanks for joining us. Sure, thank you. Michael Bull with America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty, Asset and Occupancy Solutions, CommercialAgentSuccess.com, better serve clients, earn more commissions, Excelligent, building data everywhere, RealCrowd, crowdfunding with the professionals, GetValuate, online investment analysis, BuildOut, marketing for your brokerage. For more information on these great companies, visit CREshow.com and you're invited to subscribe to the show on YouTube and iTunes and connect with us on your favorite social media.